Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Here's a story that I, mean, I, I just zeroed in on this instantly when I saw it earlier in the week. The RCMP has failed to meet its own declared deadline, which was December the 31st, so just a few days ago, to implement the 130 recommendations from the Mass Casualty Commission following Canada's worst mass shooting incident in this nation's history, which was April 18, 2020, in Nova Scotia, as you know. Now the RCMP's position is, we'll release the implementation details as soon as possible. Joining us from Nova Scotia is the RCMP tactical team leader on that terrible night, April 18, 2020. He was also in Moncton at the time that three RCMP officers were killed and two were wounded in that mass shooting there. Tim Mills headed the tactical team or ERT team. Many people like to use the word SWAT. Tim, it's always an honor to speak with you. How are you? Good, Ronnie. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, what's your, uh, I mean, you were very much in, obviously you were there the night of April the 18th, and we, we'll talk about what happened. But what is your response, and you've watched this mass casualty shooting, and you testified there as well. What is your response to the RCMP saying, well, we had a self-imposed deadline of December the 31st, but we just haven't met it. We'll let you know as soon as we, as we know, as, as soon as we can about what we're going to do. What's your response? Well, Roy, I called it uh, during my statement to the commission, during my testimony to the three commissioners. That commission uh, inquiry, whatever you want to call it, it's all lip service. Uh, I I turned to them and I looked at the three of them and I said, you know, I first got into the ERT, SWAT, whatever you want to call it, when Mayathorpe first happened. Nothing come of that. No real changes. And then, as you mentioned, I actually worked in Moncton at the time. And again, there was another inquiry or whatever they want to call it. And, you know, all these recommendations, the McNeil uh, inquiry, uh, report or whatever. And very few things were done. And then this happens. And I turned and I said, this is just lip service to appease everyone because it's a hot topic at the time. Once time rolls on and it's kind of forgotten about a bit, then, you know, you'll see a few things in minute right away to, to make it look like they're trying to make change, but nothing will really change. No, nothing really effective will change. And, and I called it and it doesn't surprise me at all. Sad to say. So 22 people lost their lives, were murdered that night, including RCMP Constable Heidi Stevenson. And you, you were the one who uh, found her cruiser with the officer, Officer Stevenson, Inside, I can't imagine what that what that would be like, what you would experience. But why, Tim? Why did why is this going on within the RCMP? Why? Well, lack of leadership, uh, spineless leadership. Uh, it's what I've said in the last few times you've had me on. Um, the management of the RCMP, you know, they they no longer you know serve, you know the the citizens of Canada or, or their members, they serve the federal government. And as long as they please people above them, that's all they care about. And uh, if they're not being told, meet your deadline by the federal government, and that doesn't mean other agencies, that means 
the politicians. If they don't hear it directly from them, then it goes on a back burner. And they don't care about, you know, their members or, or the, you know, their, the citizens on stuff like this. They, they just want to please what's above them. So, 22 people were murdered. You were there. Yeah. They you, have, would, you would think, you would think that would be enough to meet the deadline and, and, you know, the importance of this and to put, you know, many members on this to work on this. But it shows you it's just not a high enough priority tool. So as you said, you told us you said uh, during the during the uh, commission hearings, you're not going to do anything. It's it's a it's a show it's a show effort here. You'll come up with your conclusions and recommendations, and they'll just be re- they'll just be ignored. That's what you told them. And, and look what happened. Pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. And whenever you're dealing with any level of government, promises are made, promises are never kept. So during the uh, Mass Casualty Commission hearings, there were also unpleasant exchanges between the then RCMP Commissioner, Brenda Lucky, and the Nova Scotia RCMP officers and staff who were engaged, with Lucky accused of playing lapdog to the federal liberals. That was a very unpleasant, uh, inappropriate time during that commission's hearings. But, you know, I watched that and I thought, Tim, I thought, this really, to me, illustrates everything that's wrong with this situation. Everything that's wrong is being just encapsulated in what's happening between Lucky and the Nova Scotia RCMP officers and staff. Would you agree? I 100% agree. And, uh, you know, there was one officer that stood up to her and told the truth, uh, and kudos to him. Uh, but everyone probably above him would, would take Lucky's back on that. Uh, they're afraid to make decisions. Uh, and that's been a common thing amongst officers that, that the boots on the ground members have talked about for the last 20 years. Leadership, they will not make a decision because they're afraid to make a decision because if they make the wrong decision, then it hurts their career. So they'd sooner make no decision and pass on to the next one. And that's been so prevalent in the RCMP in the last 20 years. And that's why we have such poor leadership. You were on the force for, if I remember correctly, 29 years. Yes. It's a hell of a long time in, in, a, in a life and, and giving so much to, uh, to that police force and to safeguarding Canadian citizens and, and protecting the Canadian, Canadian law. And you had some very traumatic incidents during those 29 years that you lived through. You don't have to talk about that. You can if you want. But what's it feel like as you observe the predictions you made actually coming true? Is there a sense of satisfaction or just a, or more of a sense of what the hell is wrong here? You know, it's not satisfaction at all. Um, it's just embarrassment, you know, sadness. I, I actually, just a couple weeks ago, uh, had to get a hold of the veterans for the RCMP and tell them that I won't be doing my re- uh, membership this year. You know, I'm just, I, I'm embarrassed to tell people, 
you know, in small talk, what I used to do. I'm embarrassed of the organization, organization, what it's become. And we've seen it quickly go downhill the last few years, but it was started going downhill, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I was just talking to an excerpt member the other day on the phone. And even five years ago, we, we kind of would say it's, it's a runaway train and no conductor and it's about to come off the tracks. And that was five years ago. You know, now I would say it's already left the tracks plowing through a field somewhere and it's about to hit a bunch of trees or whatever. I mean, they're hanging on by a thread. They're in crisis mode. I mean, with members leaving, I just heard this week two members are tiring at an early age. I've, I've heard of members with less than pensionable service looking in for other jobs elsewhere. I mean, they're definitely in crisis mode and it, it saddens me. It, it, it's come to this at the same time. I'm, I'm embarrassed for them. Uh, Daryl texts, to us, Daryl. I know Daryl in New Brunswick is a former member of Canada's military. He texts with RCMP if they do follow through, that's with the recommendations, the courts will fail those trying to do the right thing. Tough for me to, to disagree with that. Tim Mills, former tactical team commander um, with the RCMP, uh, particularly on that night, April 18th, 2020. Tim, share with us, please, what you were up against, uh, the lack of support that you had at the time on that night, and then subsequently when some of your team members wanted some a couple of days to just decompress from the horrible experience, what happened? Well, we were faced with a, the worst mass killing in Canada's history, and the worst-case scenario, you have a an evil man who's uh, heavily armed, not not contained, has access to a vehicle, and no regard for life. And that's the worst case scenario you can have. Your typical ERP call, SWAT call, would be a contained person in a house, a building, in the woods. You, you have a containment area, and you can contain it even more and then close in on them. When you have no idea where, where you're target is type thing and, and you're looking for him and he's not contained. That's the worst case scenario. And I can say everyone there tried their, their best with what they had. And we talked about the lack of resources, the lack of tools, helicopters, uh, tracking devices, stuff like that. But all in all, it took us roughly 13 hours to find them. And you look at other manhunts across North America in the last 20 years or so, and there's been some that dragged on for days and weeks. So luck was on our side, but also we were closing in. Once he went active again, we start closing in and closing that gap, as they would say. And lucky enough that we were there when he was there and the members acted when they did. Um, you know, it'd be great if it, you know, you, you knew where he was right at the time and, and could contain him and deal with it at the time. But, you know, everything is unknown at the time unless he's contained in the house and you know for sure he's in the house. Then it's, it's easy to contain that threat and you don't let that threat out. But when that threat's already on, on the run and you're trying to locate that threat, it makes it even harder. So uh, I had calls from uh, 
uh, L.A. County SWAT commanders that study these types of things. And within a week or two, he, he was in touch with me, and he was like, he studies one-offs, he calls it, the ones that just, you know, are so tough to do. And he was like, kudos to you guys. We want to come up here, and we want to study this so we can pass on any knowledge or anything that can be done better at the time. And, you know, no one's perfect. <laughs> Mistakes are made, uh, but you do your best with what you have. And, uh, you know, everyone's goal that day was to find that threat as quick as possible and uh, deal with the threat as quick as possible. And uh, that's what we did uh, when we did finally find them. Yeah. And when some of your team members needed a couple of days to decompress, they joked about it. The senior officers joked about it. Yep. Yep. Uh, push back immediately um, to the point it became a, a fight. Uh, and then it dragged on for six months. Um, and that was when I finally left was when I realized we were getting the runaround and uh, no support from upper management. And it's funny. I just got a... Uh, bunch of statements back from an investigation into that that's been it's been three years past now and they're just finally getting this investigation wrapped up and i read some statements and sure enough they circle the wagons they they support each other they conveniently forget what was said they point the finger at each other even the the uh, officer that you know called me a pos and then that all we wanted to do was have, excuse my language, have a circle jerk. He, he even had the gall to say, well, it wasn't directed at any, anyone. He named me, he named the team. That's his way of saying, well, I didn't say it directly to him, but he, he didn't even have the spine to say, yeah, I messed up or anything like that. It was like, well, you know, it wasn't directed at anyone. And that's what they do. They, they will not take responsibility for anything. They will not admit they're wrong. Everything is about hide it, make it go away. We don't want any transparency in this. We just want it to go away. And that's what goes on. Yeah. Tim, thank you. Uh, thank, for, thank you for your service. Thank you for your honesty. You and I have talked on the air and off the air. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the, on the program and talking to us. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Roy. It's been a pleasure. You take care. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.